0: Welcome to the C3 Church Coffs Harbour podcast. We're glad you're here. We pray that you be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. God, we thank you that you are always and forever with us. We need not fear. We need not worry. We need not be tormented. For you're always with us. That's your promise. We thank you for that promise. You're with us always, even to the end of the age. Even when it feels like we're in the fire. Even when it feels like we're in the flood. Even when it feels like life is caving in all around us, we are not alone. We thank you for your word, which reminds us time and time again to fear not. Fear not. I think half the time we find ourselves in fear is because we've forgotten that he's with us. We've just got to remind ourselves it's really that simple. There's nothing deep and theological about it. It's just about us bringing to our, our remembrance who we are in Christ and what we have access to because of Him. That we're not alone. Sometimes we make things overly spiritual and deep. It's like, oh, I'm under attack, the enemy. It's like, no, no, you've just forgotten that you're not alone. See, faith, faith doesn't care about your feelings. I might not feel saved. I might not feel redeemed. I might not feel. But that doesn't change the fact that by faith I have all these things. And by faith I am who I am in Jesus. We don't live our Christian life based on feelings. Or at least we shouldn't. But so many of us do. And we leave church and we leave faith because the feelings subside. I deeply love my wife, deeply. But not every day do I have that feeling I had when she popped her head around the corner and I looked down the aisle and saw her in that dress. I don't have that feeling every day. I'd like to say I did, that be nice and romantic. But even though I don't have that feeling every day, that doesn't change the fact that I'm deeply in love with her and have devoted my life to her. Feelings lie to us. They can trick us. They're an awesome slave, but a terrible master. God's in this place. Yep. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. His promise is that he will be with you and me to the end of the age. How good is that? So why, why worry so much? Why sweat the small stuff? He's got this. Yeah. If he's with us, who could be against us? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Sorry if you're after something deeper, but sometimes we just need to be reminded to remind ourselves, Be reminded to remember. Yeah. Could we pray before we come around God's word? Yeah. Father, I thank you so much for today. The opportunity we have to serve you to be in your house, to worship you together. And Lord, as we come around your word, as we come around the teaching of your holy scriptures, would you open our hearts, would you open our minds to see and hear from heaven this morning. And Lord, I pray for those of us who might be skeptical, uncertain, who might not have encountered you and have got questions. Lord, I pray that your spirit would answer those questions today. Lord, that you are alive and you want a relationship with every single one of us. So I pray Lord, then in these next few moments, that you would speak to each and every one of us, that you would draw us closer and closer to your heart. God, we thank you. God, we love you. Would you bless us today? Amen. Amen. How hey, you can grab a seat, everybody. That'd be great. Why don't we thank our worship team for doing such an incredible job. Ah. We good? No? Okay, cool. Oh, are we good? Yeah, we are, we're good. Okay, awesome. Hey, welcome to any of our, our guests if you're here for the first time. Uh, I'd love to make you feel incredibly welcome. Thank you for coming. Um, we are starting, well not starting, we are mid-well, to someone that you automatically have hate speech against them. I kind of think that a mature approach to life is that we can see things from a different perspective and we might not see eye to eye but we can still move, move forward shoulder to shoulder. That, that to me sounds like a mature society. An immature society is one that says, you don't believe what I believe, therefore you hate me. And and a wall goes up and we we start shooting arrows across the bow. You know, there's certain social issues that I, I absolutely, at the core of my being, do not agree with, that others would absolutely endorse. And just because I disagree with that particular issue, doesn't mean that I can't find some sort of commonality on a human level to at least do life civilly with that person. We do not have to divide over over matters of opinion. And even when it comes to things of faith as well, I think Christians have been really, really good over the years of creating a divide. We've got the truth. We've got the way. We've got the life. And we push aside the world, non-Christians, when we're actually meant to be in the world, not necessarily of the world. We are in amongst people who don't see either eye to either eye to us. We hold fast to the truth that is in us and we bear witness to God's goodness for what he's done inside of us. We don't isolate ourselves. We get in amongst the culture, we push back and so so what the whole idea is, is that we would bring hope speech into our world not hate speech, that we might think differently about issues. But again, we, we want to be the kind of church, C3 Coffs is the kind of church that we want to promote more about what we are for than what we are against. We would love to uh, picket and, and placard all the things that we are for. We are for healthy families. We are for healthy marriages. We are for people discovering and depending on Jesus. We are for freedom and flourishing. We are for building a house that is strong, healthy, vibrant and growing. That's what we are for. And there's probably just as long a list of things that we are against. But I, I kind of find that the more we promote things that we are against, the more we isolate ourselves and build a wall between us and people who don't think like we think. But if we can promote what we are for, we can build a bridge to connect with those in our world. What has that got to do with evangelism? Well, let's see. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this. It says that we need to always be prepared to give a reason or to give an answer for the hope that is in us and to do so in a spirit of gentleness and respect. And that has been the, the anchor scripture for this series. And, and we started looking at, at that, the, the first portion of that scripture was always be prepared. And so week one we looked at what Gordon Moore would say is the, the 3330 rule, that we should know our story as Christians so well that we can articulate it in 30 seconds We can talk about it in three minutes or we can unpackage it over lunch in 30 minutes. So no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, we know our story, we know what God has done in us in such a way that we can concisely and exhaustively talk about what God has done in our world. And we're prepared to share what we have. And then last week, Ben Adams, who is not here, I don't think... um, Shared about giving an answer, giving a reason, talking about our faith with other people, building relationships with people, getting in people's worlds, being inconvenienced in order to build relational bridges into this world, so that people can actually hear the message and the story that we have to share with them. And uh, and the thing is, when we when we build bridges, we're going to be prepared to be walked over. We're going to be prepared to submit. We're going to be prepared to be inconvenienced. We'll be prepared to be disadvantaged at times in order to make sure that we can connect with other people. But today, I want to talk about part three, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is in you. I want to talk about the hope that is in you. In the context of evangelism, in the context of hope speech, I want to talk about the hope that is in you, the hope that is in me. This week, I I had the privilege of... um, meeting with the directors of an organisation called Providential Homes. And Providential Homes, for those of you who don't know, is an organisation that we support as a church. Uh, about this time last year, we commissioned a, uh, a small subcommittee with our charity to, to investigate what the actual needs are in our community. Now, we're going to be the kind of church that doesn't just gather on a Sunday, but scatters midweek to actually help make Coffs Harbour a better place. That's what we want as a church. And then we come back on a Sunday and we celebrate all that God has done. But... Not today, devil. This message is too important. And, and we, want to, we want to actually scratch where our community is itching. We don't want to assume that our community needs something that perhaps it doesn't really need and start a ministry or, or, or a thing that, that services something. that, Like, for example, we go, you know what, we just really believe that, that the Coffs Coast needs an over-50s table tennis club. So we're going to start that up. And so we start up this, this over-50s table tennis club, this ministry, it's like, but no one wants that. So, so we established a committee... Grab the other mic. This is recorded, which is fantastic. There is no other mic. This one. Hello? That's on. Domestic violence issue, and there is a, a drug addiction issue, and obviously mental health, and the list can just go on and on and on. And then we just got, okay, so, so if homelessness and domestic violence are two of the major things, how do we get behind that? Um, and then we looked at what we had within our congregation. We didn't really have a lot of resource to, uh, to start another program or to, to, we didn't have the, the personnel that we, you know, were going to start this thing and, and help this issue. So what we decided to do was uh, just find an organization that already existed and back them. And support them. Rather than just becoming another noise in the landscape of, 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 of charity, we wanted to actually just support someone who's already got a, a foot in the door and doing the work. And, and one thing I love about our church, and you could say a lot of things about our church, but one thing you can never ever say about our church is that we are not generous. We are absolutely at our core a generous church, and year after year we have proven that we are faithful in being generous people. So um, last year was the first year we started to partner with three particular organizations and that was the Women's Resource Center, Women's Refuge Center and also Providential Homes. And so we partnered with them with our, our Christmas Hamper Project to, to bring uh, hampers to those people who would use the resources from these organizations. And so what we're wanting to do now is then strengthen and develop our relationship with these organizations as, as we move into the future. So Part of that was for me to meet with the directors of this organisation, Providential Homes, who flew up from Sydney on Wednesday, and uh, we had this meeting which was fantastic, and man, they're doing some incredible things. Totally Christian organisation, and um, they have 38 properties that they manage in New South Wales that provide accommodation for people who are homeless, who have been displaced, uh, Families who have been affected by d- domestic violence a- and different things like that, and so th- they will get contacted by the Department of Housing, and then they'll open up their home. And what I, what I love about this is that every time they have a person or people in their homes, they don't ever refer to them as clients. They refer to them as guests. So there's people that are coming out of tragedy, out of trauma. They, they welcome them into these homes and they make sure that the, the caretaker there has a, a beautiful, clean room for them, everything is brand new, and that there is a gift on their pillow every time a new guest arrives. Because they want to make sure that they're putting value on human life, that people are not just a cog in a charity system going around and around and around, but that people are actually given value because we are all created in God's image. And I love that about them. And, and so in the last 12 months, through their 38 Uh, Residences. they have provided accommodation for 17,500 people in New South Wales alone. And they've got a house in Coffs. They're looking to get a second house in Coffs. And so we just want to be supporting that and be behind that. And so they're one of our our partners that we're going to do our our local love project day where we go into their homes and put a lick of paint on, clean the gardens up, whatever we can do. We want to just support these guys with that. So I say all that to say that that talking with... um, with these guys that, that started it. He was a, a school teacher for 25 years and he and came to the point, he realised, man, am I just chasing this, this corporate career thing for my own life? Is, is this what life is all about? Just me working hard and going from teacher to overseer to principal and, and getting up this corporate ladder so I can have more money, have more experience, have more influence, whatever it is, is that really the point of life? And he came to realise that no, it wasn't that there is a meaning to life far greater than the, what, the empires that you and I can create for ourselves. And that greater meaning is to serve other people. And so that is what was the, the heartbeat that birthed Providential Homes. And so this guy is, is completely unassuming, unassuming. He and his wife, beautiful couple. And, and you would never pick them a mile off to do what they do. He is in prisons almost every other weekend ministering to men. Um, he is invited to work with the state correctional department with the, uh, the state's top 50 criminals. So he personally comes in and he's invited in to minister to these men and these women and share the love of God with them. And you would look at this guy and you're like, really? You? But he's, he's talking to the head of, of major... Um, organized crime syndicates, um, motorcycle, you can't say gangs, clubs. Um, and, and, and these people have been in prison for, for a long, long time or just gone into prison for some really heavy stuff, but he just declares the goodness of God to them. And, and one thing I think that holds us back from sharing our faith, from having hope speech come out of our mouth, is this, this fear thing. And I think think fear at the end of our life is going to have a lot to answer for. I think when we stand at the end of our life and we look back over what we had and we see opportunities missed because fear had its way all the way through our life, we're going to be like, man, 95% or more of our fears never ever eventuate. So it's really, we, we are listening to faith in reverse whenever we allow fear to steer us away from what we want to achieve. And so... So fear is the thing that I think holds us back. Fear of not being able to say the right thing to people. Fear of not being called or not having a gifting or an anointing for evangelism. Fear of what might happen to us if we speak up. Fear of not having a a good enough story to share with somebody else about God in our life because we've lived a vanilla life. Like Whatever it is, I think fear can be the number one thing that holds us back in moving forward into what God's actually called us to do. Because here's the point of life, to point people to life. That's the point of life. To point people to life. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So the point of life is to point people to Jesus. That's what it's all about. So I want to look at Paul. I love Paul. Paul is, is one of my favorite men of faith. I was going to say Bible characters, but it makes it sound fictitious if I say that. So one of, one of my favorite men of faith is Paul. And if you read about Paul's life, uh, Paul wrote basically two-thirds of the New Testament and, and all the, the, the doctrine and theology that, that is in the New Testament is primarily come from him, which is amazing. And so, anyway, we'll look at Paul. My other thought was, uh, we, we often, it's, it's fear, but it's also waiting for the climate to get right. We wait for all of the things in our life to align before we will do anything for God. Oh, once once I get enough money in the bank, once I get enough confidence, once I get enough experience, once I get enough knowledge, once I get enough... Inf- and we wait for this perfect storm of, of this climate to, to be perfectly right for us to be obedient to God. But God's saying, no, no, no you be obedient where you are now. And it's in our obedience that God moves and God builds us and shapes us. And it's actually the, the irony is it's in our step of faith that we grow. It's not waiting till we grow to have a step of faith. It's the wrong way around. We step out and we live by faith. And it's in our faith that God grows us, God matures us, God strengthens us. The perfect climate doesn't exist. Because here's the thing. And this should take a bit of pressure off all of us the reason we fear speaking out about our faith and the reason we hold back and we, we're waiting for the climate to be right with our giftedness and our skill set and our articulation of being able to speak words good and stuff, the reason why we, we wait and we hesitate until those things come to pass really is because at the very core of what we believe or we've chosen to believe is that it's actually about us, that we actually have something that we have achieved that we could share with other people. But the truth is, it's not about us. Evangelism is not about us. It doesn't say always be prepared to give a reason for how great you are and how much you've achieved because of your faithfulness. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is in you. It's not about us. It's about the hope that is in us. And that takes the pressure of us having to perform. That takes the pressure of us having to be qualified. That takes the pressure of us having to be a certain somebody in order for God to use. God will use us where we are at because it's the hope that is in us that is attractive to people, not necessarily who we are as people. Paul's mission in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, was to carry the name of the Lord. That was his mission. And what we see in, in Acts chapter 9 is this incredible passage of Scripture. Paul, who, whose name was Saul, but was trans, transformed to Paul. Saul, his BC life, was awful. He would kill Christians. He would arrest them. He would imprison them. He would sentence them to, murder, to, to death. Um, and, and he didn't like the church. He was a religious zealot that was uh, far advanced beyond his own years. And so when 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 Jesus rose again from the dead, now what I'm what I'm saying here is not is not fairy tale stuff. This this legacy that we live in is because of these moments in history. C three Kofshava in two thousand nineteen is is operating on the coattails of what we read here in Acts. And so often we can think that there's a disconnected or a disjointedness between what happened then and what is happening now, but we are living in the remnant of what started back then and is continuing through us today. We are the church. And so Paul or Saul didn't like the fact that the church was expanding. Didn't like the fact that the disciples back then were actually doing what Jesus commissioned them to do, and that is to go into all the world and make disciples. And that's exactly what they did. They would go from town to town, plant churches, make disciples. And Saul was not happy. This offended his his Jewish roots. This offended his religious, pharisaical worldview. And so he was like, I will put put an end to this Christian faith. Under my watch, it's not going to advance any longer. I'm going to kill and maim and silence every Christian I can. And he did a really good job for a while. Until on his way to Damascus, where he was gonna do some more damage to, to God's people, he was blinded. And he says, Who is blinded me? Who is this light? And what is the answer? What, what is the answer he gets? He gets, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now here's a little side note that I find absolutely fascinating. Paul, Saul, wasn't persecuting Jesus. Saul was persecuting people. When people are persecuted, God takes it personally. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. No, he wasn't. He was persecuting Christians. But because you and I, because humanity is created in God's image, we bear his image, the imago Dei, the image of God. When when people are persecuted, God takes it personally. So don't be surprised when God unleashes his fury on those who... Downtrodden and 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 prosecute, persecute people. On the flip side of that same coin, Matthew twenty five forty says, "What you do unto the least of these, you do unto me." So when we provide and we, we 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 protect people, God takes that personally too. So how we treat people is an indication of how we treat God. And so Paul has his name changed from Saul and gets given a new mission in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, to carry my name. Essentially to take the gospel to all the world, to expand the kingdom of God, to carry God's name. And then what we, what we read is in, in Philippians, he's writing to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. And, and, and Paul says this thing. That the thing with, with Philippians, Philippians is like, I read recently in a commentary on Romans, um, we can treat the Bible, especially books like Philippians, books like Romans, like, you know one of those hop on, hop off tourist buses in like London or New York, the big red ones with the, the open canopy roof and you sort of just pay 30 bucks a day and you just hop on and you go to the next sightseeing thing and you hop off and you have a look around and you hop back on, you know what I'm talking about? So we can treat the Bible like that. Ooh, we we just hop on at philippians 4 13 and go i can do all things through christ who strengthens me Then we hop back off into everyday life and one have a bible study next time we go philippians and we go oh, oh to live is christ to die is game yeah cool that's awesome and we can do that through a whole bible study regime where we just hop off hop on at these highlight scriptures that sound really good have these little leadership axioms and and really quite nice and fluffy and feel good but we rob ourselves of the richness and the beauty of Scripture. Because what what God invites us to do in in, in His Word is to hop off that sightseeing bus and meander down the back alleys, the side streets of truth that are found all throughout His Word. And we can find so much more uh, about God, about humanity, about life, about eternity when we actually get off the tourist bus and get into the vast metropolis of God's Word and discover what has been there all along but we've overlooked because we're waiting for those pretty Scriptures. One of these verses that are found in a back alley that we would read over is, is Philippians 1.12, which says, because, uh, I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What does that mean? We just read past that. What is, yeah, okay, what's happened to him has really advanced to serve the gospel. But, but This is profoundly important. What has happened to Paul? Well, let's have a look. What he's referring to here is what we find in the back end of Acts, chapter uh, 21 to 28. He's arrested in Jerusalem. He is beaten within an inch of his life, thrown into a jail in Caesarea for two years, where the whole time he was receiving death threats about when he would leave, he'd he'd be killed. To be gone. He's, he was safe in prison, which wasn't a nice thing. If you look at first century Jewish prison systems, it was, it was awful. But, but he had the promise, I guess, from the people around him who really didn't like him much, that he would be killed the day he would leave. He appealed to Caesar to be freed and was sent to Rome. So, so, so Caesar's put him on a ship and said, all right, you can go to Rome, you're a Roman citizen, we're going to send you off there and, and they'll deal with you, they'll sort you out. And you think that'd be great until they encounter a storm. And this storm was no ordinary storm. This storm lasted for two weeks, day and night, relentless. They didn't eat, they didn't sleep for two weeks while they fought this storm on their way to Rome. And you might be thinking, wow, that's pretty intense. There's about, about 10 people in this little boat. Let's be crazy. You no, know, there was 276 people on this boat. It was a significant ship taking criminals across. And, and after two weeks, it wasn't like they just breathe this sigh of relief and like oh finally the storm has passed and they could gently just cruise into the harbour and moor and hop off and, and go to Macca's and get a nice meal and just enjoy themselves maybe a cu- cup of coffee and they got shipwrecked on the island of Malta at the end of that that trip like it just went from bad to worse and I imagine there would be casualties there if you hit rocks on a shipwreck and everyone just get spilled into the ocean or, or to the sea that that would be a, a terrible thing and so then they get washed up on this island Paul had a tough. And then and then he, he's building a fire and gets bitten by a snake that should have killed him, but he flicks the fire the snake off into the fire and, and he lives. And for three months he's on this deserted island. Well, it's not really deserted, it's filled with people. In fact, he he actually leads every person on that island to faith in Jesus. So we see that all this happened while he was a prisoner in chains it's like ridiculous but then he says in Philippians because of what happened to me it really served to advance the gospel we can think that Paul is some superstar he's got it all together he's you know all of his ideals have aligned and therefore he ministers out of that point of perfection the climate around his life and his calling was just perfect and that's why God used him but in fact it was the exact opposite the climate, the climate around Paul's life was atrocious. Beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, time and time again. Like he was imprisoned three times. But it all served to advance the gospel, it all served to build the church because people could see not the circumstances around him, but the hope that was in him. And that's the whole point: is that life doesn't have to be perfect for us to be ambassadors for Christ that Jesus chooses us where we are at and uses us where we are at and it's in our faith and in our obedience that he actually grows us and matures us in his likeness. And I find so much comfort in reading the story of Paul because I've seen so many Christians lose their faith for way less. Oh, they don't play the style of music I like, I'm out. Oh, that person looked at me funny, I'm out. Oh, my preferences weren't met, I'm out. And, and we choose the most silly things to bow out on. But Paul's like, here's what he says. Keep reading chapter 1 in, in Philippians. For me to live is Christ to die's gain. Oh, that sounds really nice. What does he mean by that? Verse 23, I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith. What we see in Paul here is him mimicking Jesus, him following the example Jesus set, And we are called to follow the example of Jesus. And Paul gives us an example of what it looks like to follow the example of Christ. Because I see, I see parallels here. Where Paul is, is writing, man, I just, I just wish I could be with Christ. I just wish I could go to heaven. I wish up there it's perfect and there's no more weeping, there's no more crying. God, God wipes away every tear and, and turns them into joy and, and I wish that I could be there. But I know it's better for your sake that I stay and remain and continue to walk out the call that God has for me. So I'll stay. Sort of reminds me of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Like we have anxious days, right? We have, we have uh, fearful days. But have you ever sweated blood? I haven't. I've never had a panic attack and sweated sweat blood. Jesus is in this moment of, of deep anxiety. Because he knows what lays before him is the cross. And so he says, God, Father, if there's any other way that you can let this cup pass from me, I'll I'll take it. I'll take plan B. I'd rather be with you. I'd rather pass on this whole cross and crucifixion. That's a bit too much. But nevertheless, your will be done. And that's exactly Paul's heart over here. Oh, guys, seriously, I've been through so much. I just wish I could give up and be with him in heaven. Whew. Nevertheless, I'm here for you. I've been called to carry God's name. I've been called to build the church. I've been called to advance God's kingdom. So I will remain for your joy in the faith because that's my role to play. My life might not be perfect. I might, have, might not have all my ducks in, in, in a line, but I'm going to obey what God has called me to do that's the life that you and I are called to live we're not called to build our own empires and I'm all for that I'm all for you being the best you can be in business I'm all for you being the best you can be in your workplace I'm all for you being the best you can in your family but the point of it all must be for other people we carry God's name that the reason we have the ability for increase is because he first poured his spirit into us and that is the hope that we have that despite our shortcomings despite our uh, our uh, insecurities despite our failures we still have a hope in us that is far greater than all those things and it might we just sung that it might look like I'm surrounded but I'm actually surrounded by you that's the promise we have I'll be with you always. See, the thing is, if Paul, if Paul hadn't, or if he had have followed through, or if God had have granted him his wish, where he was saying, you know what, I, I, I wish I was just in heaven with you, God. I've had enough here. Would you take me? Heaven's a much perfect... Imagine God said, yep, no worries, done. And he ascended, went to heaven. If that happened in that moment, we wouldn't have the book of Ephesians... We wouldn't have the Book of Colossians. We wouldn't have First or Second Timothy. We wouldn't have Philemon. We wouldn't have Titus. We wouldn't have so much of this beautiful New Testament Scripture that brings life to our soul. If Paul had have been given what he wanted in the flesh, but he lives by faith, not by sight. He writes to the church in Galatia that you know it's no longer I who live. It's not about my preference. It's not about what I want. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And it's Him who I'll teach. It's Him. It's His name who I'll carry. I'll finish with this thought. Here's, here's what I identify as the major problem in contemporary Christianity not the dress sense. Some of you might think it's the the way they dress. No, no. Oh, it's the worship. It's the the style. No, no, it's not the worship. Oh, it's the preaching. The preaching's too lifestyle. Mm, No, that's not the issue. I I think the issue with contemporary Christianity is that we, we like what God loves, but we love what we like more. We like what God loves, God loves reaching the poor. God loves the gospel proclaimed. God loves the building of the church. And we like that. But we love what we like more. We like our comfort. We like our preference. We like what we enjoy, what we're into. And we elevate those things oftentimes above of what God's actually called us to do in the life he's actually called us to live. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whoever, you, your neighbor, your work colleague, your school friend, that weird guy on the bus that smells funny, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. the Muslim the Buddhist the homosexual God so loved the world not white western people God so loved the world he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him put their trust in him follow him would not perish but have eternal life. It's our role to be the whoever who'll go out into the world and preach to anyone, whoever's in our world. We are called. We are the ambassadors. We read in Peter, always be prepared to give a reason to anyone who might ask for the hope that is in you. So if you feel insignificant, join the club. If you feel fearful, join the club. I'm not good at evangelizing. And here's why. Tr- just truth. Not that I'm embarrassed. Not that I'm ashamed. None of that. It's just, it's, it's tough. And it's, it's tough to the point where I'm considering changing my job title to make it easier. Because you, you would not believe the amount of conversations I have with people hey, how you doing? Yeah, what's going on? You got your family? Yeah, I've got some kids, this, this. Oh, yeah, cool. And we have this chat. And as soon as the conversation gets to what do you do, I say, I'm a pastor. I what? I'm I'm a minister. I I lead a church. And immediately, (laughs) walls come down. And it's awkward. It is like so awkward. And I, I can't imagine that you've ever had that in your life. I can't imagine Maddie talking to someone going, oh, yeah, yeah, how are you going? Yeah, good, you watch the footy, yeah, footy. What do you do? Uh, I work at Woolworths. Oh, that's awkward. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a nurse or I'm a doctor. Oh, oh, weird. But that's what I deal with every single day. So maybe I'm, I'm thinking of changing it to like a spiritual life coach. Something along those lines... People are more likely to lean into that than sort of back away. Ooh, spiritual life coach. That sounds interesting. I get it. It's tough. Oftentimes the things that are most important are the things that are most difficult. Like loving your wife, being a good dad, being a good husband. They're the most important things in life, often the most difficult. And being a follower of Christ is more than just attending church on Sunday. It's sharing the hope that you have with the world around you. And often the most important things, hello, are the most difficult. But we're going to get better. We're got to get stronger. And take the pressure off. It's not about how great you are, what you've done, what you know. We've just got to share the hope that is in us. I was lost, but now I'm found. Probably the most profound and yet simple testimony you could ever share. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is in you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for today, for every person that is here. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example that Paul has has given for us. That all things considered with the life that he lived and things that happened to him, he would have had every excuse to, to give up, to quit. Yet we see through the life of Paul that that even what happened to him really actually caused the gospel to advance, really caused the church to grow because it wasn't about him and it wasn't about the perfect climate around his life. It was about his obedience despite circumstance. So I pray that that would be the the encouragement for all of us today. That despite the lack of perfect circumstance around our world, despite us feeling ill-prepared or uncalled, that we would still be obedient to your call. That we would understand that the point of life is to point to life and that life is only found in you. Well, every eye's closed, every head is bowed, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, to have your world turned upside down, inside out, I, I would love you today to, uh, to make that decision. Today's your day. You might have been hanging around the fringes of churches for a while and aware of God, aware of Jesus, but you've never made that that step of faith. Maybe you've been waiting for all of your intellectual ducks to line up and have it all figured out before you make a logical decision, but faith is faith. It's exactly that. Faith is having assurance, even though we might not have all of the evidence. But there's no denying the fact that God's presence is here right now in this moment you. And God's plan for your life is to bring order to the chaos, to bring restoration to the brokenness, to bring peace where there's just storms, to bring life where there's deadness. So if that's you this morning, you just want to make that decision to Accept what Jesus has done for you on that cross by making a way to have a relationship with God. Choose to follow Him. Choose to have that hope that is in me and in so many of us in this room. Have that in you as well. With every eye closed, would you just pop your hand up and say, look, that's me. I want to I make a decision today to follow Jesus. I've got to stop living this life trying to figure out my own strength. I gotta lean on him. I've got to trust in him. Well, maybe you've you've made that call, you've made that decision. But life, life, you know, man, life life gets tricky. Life gets tough. Stuff gets on you. The cares of this world, the opinions of media. The disappointment of unmet expectation gets on us all. And sometimes the weight of that can actually steer us away from walking closely with the Lord. And maybe today it's time you threw off that baggage, threw off that stuff that has weighed you down and come back to making a decision to follow Jesus more closely. Maybe that's you. So, God, I thank you for every one of us here today. Lord, that this would not just be another message, but this would be a, a line in the sand moment for us all to, to live the kind of life that you've called us to live, free of distraction, free of discouragement, free to, to just live this life filled with the hope that you've freely poured into us. Not because we're awesome, not because we've got it all figured out, but because that's who you are. You are awesome you've got it all figured out. And in your infinite wisdom, you've, you've seen us and declared us worthy to be recipients of your grace and your hope. So Lord, help us to live that life well. Help us to be an adequate ambassador, someone who is, is willing to step out and live by faith and not by sight. Lord, we just pray you bless us this week. Give us opportunities to be bold, to be courageous, Help me to be a better spiritual life coach. And that we would all just share the hope that is in us. We'd be about carrying your name. And knowing that every person that we show grace to, every person that we show protection towards, every person that we provide for, every person that we show interest in and genuine care for, that we do it unto you. And you take it personally. Because you want people redeemed and restored back to you more than we do, so help us to love others like you love us, and like you love them, in Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the C3CH podcast. We trust this week's message inspired and encouraged you. We hope to see you in one of our services soon. For more information on C3 Church, Croft Harbour, visit www.c3ch.com.